G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Being a parent is tough anytime and it might be even tougher in 2017. We're often overwhelmed with fear about damaging our children, guilt about our own imperfections and confused about our role as parents. Well, Harriet Connor knows these feelings well, but hers is not just another parenting book that we'll be talking about today, full of shoulds and should-nots to make you feel worse about being a parent. Rather, she invites you to step back and consider the bigger picture. What's the purpose of life and parenthood? What are our human limitations? How can we cope with our guilt and our fear? What are our family's values and how do we pass them on? What's our family structure and our place within the wider community? When she was desperate for answers herself, Harriet Connor turned to the ancient wisdom of her ancestors, the Bible. She went looking for little pieces of grandmotherly advice, but what she found was a grand vision, a big picture that made sense of both life and parenthood. Harriet Connor juggles three roles. She is a wife, a mother of three, and a Bible teacher. She holds degrees in international studies, languages, and theology. And Harriet Connor is joining us to talk about her book. Hello, Harriet. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, Hello, Neil. Thanks for having me on the program. Well, Harriet, I must say this is a a wonderful privilege. And given that we are just a couple of days away from the announcement of the Australian Christian Book of the Year, you are shortlisted for that. It's quite a privilege, isn't it, to be actually on that list with those other great authors? Yeah, it's a great yeah, it's a great list of um, authors and books, and yeah, they all sound really worthwhile. Um, so it was a very pleasant surprise to be among them. And I know you're heading to Melbourne on Thursday, and you'll be in the audience on Thursday night when they're making the announcement. So I'm sure you'll be nervous about whether your name might be called. Yes, yep. <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> okay, well, as I say, it is a significant privilege just to be shortlisted for the Australian Christian Book of the Year. And your book is there, Harriet. Let's come back to the beginning as we set the scene because we want to take our listeners today on a journey of understanding the things that you've written about because it's a different way of approaching parenting that you have chosen. For a lot of parents these days, they don't have a lot of guidance at all. They just want their child to be happy. Uh, What are your thoughts on modern parenting and a bit of comparison to to the way that you've discovered that there's a different avenue to take, a different dimension to parenting to discover? Yes, that's right. A few years ago, I was what you might call a typical modern parent. I was feeling really overwhelmed by those feelings that I might somehow damage my children by doing the wrong thing. And I felt very guilty because I thought I wasn't getting it right. And I felt very confused about what was the right thing to do. 
And I guess what's different in our generation is that we are completely overloaded with information when you have the internet there. Uh, it's like a swirling sea of do this, don't do that. It's The internet's become a battleground, really, um, staked out by experts, all with their different and conflicting ideas about what you should and shouldn't be doing and how any other way must be damaging your children. So it is very confronting for modern parents um, to know which way forward when everybody seems to have a different idea. I think in the past it was simpler. In the past, parents didn't really know much about the science of their parenting. They just simply passed on what was passed on to them. Parenting. That creates a really important question, doesn't it? Because there is lots of modern social science uh, that will talk to us about uh, parenting styles and what works and what doesn't. Uh, but then you compare that to what happened through the history of the world uh, where values were passed on from parent to child and to grandchild. Uh, how, do you, how do you make sense of that? I mean, is it, is it good that we've got so much uh, great uh, social science about parenting or was the old way a little bit better? I think with any new development or technology, there's always a pro and a con. Obviously, it's wonderful to have, you know, information that can help keep our children healthy and safe. Um, That's a wonderful resource, but there is a catch, and that's just that the more you know about what you should be giving your children, then the guiltier you feel when you fall short. Uh, We've got so much information about what our kids should be uh, reading and learning and eating and how much they should be sleeping, and it just gets to the point when you feel like there's a little parenting expert in your ear all day. Have you checked how much sugar was in that snack? Are you sure they should be watching so much TV? And it just makes you feel guilty. So there's always a pro and a con. So I guess what I've done in my book is try to synthesize the two, I suppose. I've reached back for what I see as the wisdom of the Bible and I feel that in our society that has grown out of Christian values, there is... um, that really has informed how parents raise their children in previous generations. And then I've tried to synthesise that with modern social science, as you say. I've tried to find, well, actually the pendulum seems to be swinging back, that more and more social science actually seems to be supporting the Bible's vision for parenting. So I'll give you one example of that. Um, parents used to assume that they had a certain level of authority in the home that you could say to a child, because I say so, I'm in charge. And then the pendulum swung the other way. We became very suspicious of authority and we, we, we came to believe that anyone who's exercising authority must be doing so in a selfish way for their own power, for their own gain. And we forgot the Bible's view of authority, which is, Authority can be, when done well, can be God's blessing for our family. And so the social sciences are actually seeing a generation of parents who wanted to be friends with their children, who didn't want authority, who wanted it to be almost an even playing field, a democracy. And now experts are starting to say, well, that was actually taking it too far. Let's come back to the middle. And social science or the parenting books that I have read strangely seem to agree on one thing and that is that the most effective parents are warm and kind but also firm 
with their children. So that's the kind of thing where I feel social science actually more and more seems to be showing the wisdom of what the Bible's been saying all along. So this book that you've written started out as a personal project because your husband, Daniel, and yourself, you had very, very different uh, styles of upbringing. Your parents differed significantly on their parenting styles. How do you reflect on that uh, uh, for listeners this morning? That was a huge part of our struggle because we'd find we'd see each other doing or saying something that wasn't just misguided, but we felt from our upbringing was actually wrong. You'd never say that to a child or you'd never do that. Um, and so we were often in conflict about what ought to be done and whose way was right, I suppose. But there were a few things that helped us to work through that. Well, partly the first thing I realized, well, we were both Christians. So surely if we're both Christian, we can find a common ground by going back to the Bible. And that was part of what drove me to the Bible was try to work out well, what does it mean to be a Christian parent when we've both got such different ideas. Um, and I, yeah, so I think it's, you need to acknowledge that when you get married, you are starting a new family unit and you are to some extent moving out, um, from underneath the authority of your own parents. And so together as a new family, you need to decide which way you're going to head and you need to sort of start with a blank page, I suppose, although it doesn't work out like that in practice. We do usually default to the way that we were raised. I guess it's all about communication. So many times we've had to sit down and I think a really important question to ask is why. Don't assume that you know why they did that or said that, but ask. Because usually we find we actually want the same thing for our children. We're just coming at it from a different approach. So if I ask, why did you say that? Why did you do that? And my husband explains, then I can see, oh, right, you had a really, really good reason for doing that. And so I can accept um, his approach that we are aiming for the same thing, just getting there a slightly different route. So that's one of the things that's really helped us is to stop and talk and to ask, don't assume. And of course, uh, children are very aware when parents don't agree, aren't they? Because uh, they can tend uh, to play one off against the other and particularly where you've got one who is quite a disciplinarian, another one who is quite permissive. Uh, Mm. They'll usually favour the one who's quite permissive. Yes, naturally. Yes, it is important to make sure you're on the same page and usually I think it's best not to discuss things in front of the kids um, but perhaps later on to, to debrief and, and talk about how that might have uh, made you feel or whether you were questioning something that your husband or wife did. So, I mean, it is, it is important, I think, to be consistent and to work together, but it won't always be like that. And, and experts are starting to say that it is important for children to see your conflicts to some extent. It's important for them to see how to resolve conflicts well in a way that's respectful, in a way that's equal, um, in a way that negotiates to a desired outcome. So, um, yeah, I mean, I still haven't figured that one out, I suppose, but I remember a whole chapter in a Steve Biddulph book I read was about how to fight well. And uh, <laughs> I think he, he might be onto something, but uh, something I'm still thinking through. Harriet, let us in on some of your thoughts when it comes to using the Bible, because what we're talking about in the Bible is something that is quite ancient. 
Uh, and yet we say the Bible is, you know, God's word revealed and it's his message of salvation. And uh, there are things that are in there that are full of timeless wisdom. Some people will say, isn't the Bible just old fashioned? Isn't that old hat? Surely it doesn't have a whole lot of weight on some of the issues that we might face in 2017. How do you reconcile the wisdom that you might discover in the Bible with being a modern parent? I think the danger we face, you might say, is cutting off the branch we're sitting on. I think if you think about our society, at least in Australia and other English-speaking countries, it's been really a process of handing down the Bible. Um, I have a very precious book, uh, which my grandmother gave to me. It's actually a Church of England prayer book um, from when my... Uh, great-grandmother was married um, in 1911 and that's been handed down the family and it's uh, symbolic to me because it's it's not a Bible, it's a prayer book, an Anglican prayer book, but it's symbolic of that Christian way of seeing the world which was passed down. Even if our ancestors didn't go to church or didn't have a personal faith, the society they lived in was still shaped by Christian values and if you think about it, our current young generation, my generation, is really the first generation that hasn't been taught the Bible. My parents um, don't call themselves Christian, but they know the Bible. They grew up uh, going to schools or Sunday school um, where it was assumed that knowing the Bible was a good thing. And our generation seems to reject the Bible out of hand without ever having read it. So my challenge Uh, to myself was to see what it had that was relevant for modern parents and my challenge to my generation is well actually there's some really relevant and timely wisdom here don't throw the bible out without reading it first so I hope that my book will also help people to discover that for themselves. So what we've got is not only the Bible, but you've brought grandparents into the conversation and the idea mm. that those family heirlooms, uh, those old Bibles or old uh, messages, inscriptions from grandparents, actually very, very important because it actually establishes a lineage uh, back to a Christian foundation. How important are all those little extra peripheral things, uh, you know, uh, wedding photos of the past or, mm. as you say, the family Bible? What what sort of things do you, do you see as really valuable that your children should be interested in, but actually they create a real link to the past? Mm. Yeah, I guess... So. Well, I'm unique is that I've always been interested in those things. I've always been fascinated by looking at old photos and um, finding out how people used to live. Um, I think it's really important because times have changed and our ancestors lived through very, very tough times that were often characterised by war or poverty or disease. And they walked through those times and they did great and amazing things and they had strong values that kept them going and so that's what I wanted to know. I didn't want to become sort of the spoilt brats down the bottom of the family tree because we've got so much comfort today, so so much convenience. Um, we, we don't really face tough times in the same way. We do face tough times on, on other levels such as mental health and so on. Uh, we do face some very real struggles but I wanted to find out what were those values that got them through those 
difficult times. So as I researched the book, I was reading the Bible, but I was also talking to my grandmothers because for me that was a lifeline. When I was at home, uh, when especially when our second son was born and I was feeling uh, really overwhelmed, as I explained before, I found modern wisdom was just confusing me and so the only thing I held on to was talking to my grandmothers on the phone. Uh, They knew what it was like to be at home with small children um, and what they said always seemed to make sense in a real common sense kind of a way. It wasn't faddish um, but just really basic stuff like my great-grandmother's motto for parenting was do your best and I think it's a really great starting point. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. You're welcome to be part of our conversation today, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour is Harriet Connor. She's author of the book Big Picture Parents, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Life. Harriet, as we talk about your book, and there'll be a lot of people who'll be interested in the contents of your book as you've mined the scriptures, in a sense, to find uh, those treasures, those gems from the scriptures to apply to modern-day parenting. If we're talking about the content of your book, have you broken it down? Because uh, I know you've got about four different uh, major areas that you deal with. That's right. I think what I realized is that um, the thing that we lack as modern parents is a big picture. It's a framework. We've got lots of little pieces of information and advice, but we don't know how to put it all together. And when I went to the Bible, I wanted to find all those little pieces of advice. But what I realized is that the Bible uh, had a much bigger picture for me. Uh, And so I've broken the book down uh, firstly into our big purpose, what is the purpose of life and um, and parenthood. And then I've looked at our big problem, which is that we're human, we're imperfect, and we feel guilty and fearful because of that. But, uh, but we can also become children of God, uh, and he lovingly deals with our guilt and fear through Jesus. And my next section is about our big values. What are Christian values? We talk about them a lot, but what does that actually mean Um, and the final section of my book is about our big family and I look at um, what is God's ideal structure for the family unit and how that family unit is part of something much bigger God's big family and uh, that's a really important thing that we don't often have as modern parents is a parenting community and so I look at how uh, being part of a church is actually a really great thing to help us as parents. So four major fields, our big purpose, our big problem, our big values, and our big family. Let's come back to that first one, our big purpose, because we started off talking about modern parents just wanting their children to be happy. And you address issues when you talk about the purpose of life, saying it's more than just happiness that we're talking about as we talk about the things that we would uh, see as those wonderful uh, big picture issues from the Bible. That's right. I think we're constantly being told in our society, do whatever makes you happy, follow your heart. And modern parents, we just, when we don't know what our big purpose is, we just, myself included, we just default to saying, we just want them to be happy. And so we can end up 
making their happiness our primary goal. And so that means we uh, we don't let them go through hard things. We help them instead of letting them uh, work things out for themselves. It means we rush to fix their emotions instead of letting them learn how to work things through for themselves. So I, I do think that happiness seems to be um, a big thing that people are aiming for in life. But the problem is it's not... Um, working uh the more we chase happiness the less we seem to find it if you look at the rates of depression and mental illness in the west uh if we're made just for happiness then it's it's not working so we need to look for something bigger and once again when i look to what people secular experts are saying about happiness they're coming back to a very similar message to what the bible has been saying all along and they're recognizing now that just chasing good feelings and running away from bad feelings actually won't lead to long-term satisfaction. The secret to long-term satisfaction is connection. It is feeling connected to a bigger purpose in life and it is knowing that you're connected to other people. It's about relationship and that's what the Bible says too. It says that we're made not primarily for happiness but we're made for relationship to God and to his creation and to other people. And when we give uh, ourselves and our children that sense of connection to something bigger than themselves, actually, if the experts are right, that's the best way of helping them to find long-lasting satisfaction. So we're not talking here about finding a few texts in the Bible or picking out the occasional proverb that has, uh, you know, well-worn wisdom. What you're saying here is that you're taking a reflection on the fact that we are created in the image and likeness of God and as Christian believers when we understand that then we are automatically uh, connected in with a bigger purpose and that bigger purpose actually is a good thing for us and for our children, for our family structure. Mm. Yes, that's right. I wanted to see what the whole Bible had to say and I had to step back and see the bigger picture but doing that has helped me to gain a greater sense of clarity for all those tiny details. I now have a framework um, for understanding the details. So when you talk about the purpose of parenthood, uh, what do you say to parents? Uh, You know, I'm just floundering here. I feel like I'm heading nowhere in no particular direction. What do you say to parents who say, uh, you know, help me get on the right track? What sort of purpose do you talk about? Hmm. Well, if life is about more than feeling happy, then parenthood is about more than making your children feel happy. It's about helping your children to have a sense of connection to their bigger purpose in life, helping them to um, be connected to God and to his creation and to other people. And uh, yeah, I mean, the Bible talks a lot about different purposes of parenthood. Obviously, the foundation is um, our unconditional love for our children. In the Bible, we see a lot about parenthood by looking at God, who describes himself as a father who won't give up on his children. And so the foundation is that bond of love and commitment which lasts for our whole life that we share with our children. But on top of that, uh, parenthood is also about helping our children to reach maturity. Parenthood has an aim, and that aim is actually letting our children go, helping them to reach maturity in a physical way so that they can go off and live an independent life. But it's also about helping them to reach moral maturity. 
so that they can make their own wise choices when they're adults. And so that's been a bit of a framework for me. The Bible talks about how children are those who don't yet know good from bad. And so by implication, parents are there to help them uh, know right from wrong and to, to help them along the way. So... Harriet Connors, our guest, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take a call from Lynn in Western Australia. Hello, Lynn. Welcome along. Hello. Lynn, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I'm a grandmother now and I'm just really interested in what Harriet is saying. It sounds fantastic. I really appreciate all of that um, and especially about our relationship to God and how connecting with him will um, enhance the connection um, between our kids and him. Um, and when, when my kids were little, what I would do some nights when they were crying and upset, I would actually pray for them rather than, I mean, I would obviously try and help them, but I would also, once they started to settle, would really pray into their lives. And I found that mm. even though they didn't know I was doing it, um, that has made such a difference in their lives in the future. Mm. Your thoughts, yeah, Harriet? That like a, well, that's a wonderful idea. I think it's that's about who you are as well. That's part of your connection to God, that you wanted to uh, commit your children to Him. And I think you've really um, given a great example of the balance that, that we face as parents. We have been given responsibility for our kids to do our best, to faithfully raise them, to faithfully do our best, best to keep them safe. Uh, but... We always have the acknowledgement that God is actually the ultimate father. God is our father and he is in control much more than we ever could be of our children's lives. And so you said you do help them and do your best to care for your children, but always with an acknowledgement that you too have a father and you can ask him to help you with your kids. And I think that's a wonderful thing that you did and I'm glad you've been able to see the blessing of that um, as time's gone on. Thank you to Lynn from WA and we'll take some more calls after Vision National News just a minute or so out. Just a quick one here though, Harriet. Uh, when we talk about prayers with our children, it seems to be modern parents maybe don't get on their knees beside the bed at night and say prayers. But that's a very important aspect of uh, connecting God with your children, isn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um and I guess it's just about being intentional and deciding what kind of a family do we want to have and what kind of a family do we want our children to grow up in. And you need to decide what your priorities are and do the most important things first and then let everything else fit, fit into that. And so I would say that prayer is important. It's important um, because we are actually talking to God with our children and helping them. Harriet, we're about to go to news, but inviting listeners to be part of our conversation, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. We're back with more after Vision National News. Harriet, let's take a call uh, from another listener, Joe in Victoria. Hello, Joe. Welcome along. Hi, how are you? Very well. What are your thoughts, Joe? Um, well, I went to Sunday school myself, and I'm interested in the bigger picture myself as well. And I'm interested in photos, this idea of photos and uh, family Bibles. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I look at my own photo of when I was being confirmed, I'm not Christian now, and I wasn't Muslim or anything. We're wearing head veils and netting and mm-hmm. white. And the bigger picture, if religion comes from Asia, like it's meant to in the Middle East, is that um, 
bad things are, are, are intrinsic and good comes from that when you learn after and the unveiling is with the truth that you learn and the wisdom that you gain when you're getting older. So uh, what you'd have to question these photos a bit if we're wearing the same things now in Australia because it might mm. mean the same things to Australia, Australian people. An interesting perspective that you're bringing there, Joe. Uh, do you have a response, Harriet? So I suppose perhaps your question is about um, how much in the Bible is cultural and how much is uh, applicable anywhere, anytime. Is that your question? Oh, you could, you could put it like that. Uh, that mm. uh, if you're looking at fashion and, uh, and photographs and, and if you're, you want to maintain, um, uh, say, like your family's traditions... Yeah that if you would be wearing, say, the same things, if you'd be uh, trying to make that a rule uh, in Sunday school or even in sc the schools. Mm. And, yeah, uh, I suppose, um, yeah. yeah, I guess you need to think about um, what are the principles that we're um, looking at, what was the principle behind, what was the reasoning behind why we dressed a certain way or did certain things, and then apply the principle... Um, but perhaps we need a different expression of that um, as as culture changes, I suppose. Um, yeah. Okay, Joe. Well, it uh, was an interesting uh, concept to be talking about, and I suspect that when all of us look into our parenting background, and maybe if we've got photos that have been passed on, things that don't look uh, normal uh, to us and sometimes even looking strange, whether things are strange or right, I suspect that gives us a platform to be able to talk about what we understand as truth. And so understanding that biblical big-picture idea of purpose and identity uh, all of those things from our family background, including the photos that we might have that have been passed on that uh, where people are doing strange things uh, for some of us, uh, then those give us an opportunity to reflect on what we feel uh, God is saying into our circumstances, parents today. Is that a fair way of looking at that, do you think, Harriet? Yeah, I guess um, something else I'd add is that we are human as well and we all come from human families and so parents are not perfect and they do pass on to their children the bad along with the good and you've talked about going on a journey of maturing and reaching adulthood and questioning certain things I think and that is the journey we all go on as we approach adulthood and it, it is a time for reflection we can think about what was good that we inherited and what wasn't good and as we move into the next generation with our own children we can take charge and we can decide what are the things we want to pass on and what are the things that we don't so while I'm trying to look at the positive things that have been handed down from the Bible I'm aware that every human family is full of imperfect people doing their best in an imperfect world and so we don't always have positive experiences in our family or in our churches and um, sadly that's the reality of uh, living in a fallen world and so then it becomes I guess the the role of each person as they reach adulthood to decide what um, what was true and right and good that I received and what wasn't. 
And I imagine uh, that, Joe, uh, when family ritual uh, changes, and that can change from generation to generation, what's important is not so much necessarily going through the actual ritual, but actually identifying the meaning, or sometimes as we talk about the values. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. values are simply what are valuable things to us that we would hold to be true and right and therefore of highest priority. But uh, thank you so much to Joe for your input. 1-800-316-316 is our number. You can join in our conversation. Our talkback line is open. Let's talk about values a little, Harriet, because one of the big dimensions of your book is talking about values and, of course, remembering what is important. How do you reflect on, on how people actually work out what their values are? Because I guess it's confusing in this modern day, uh, actually Mm. saying, well, this is what my values truly are. Mm. I think what happens to me maybe is a common experience that if you read hundreds of articles, you end up just becoming completely overwhelmed and confused about what's important. And I end up um, obsessing over tiny details of my children's lives, depending on whatever I've read last. Was it about what they're eating or watching or how much they're sleeping? And so we can get carried along, I suppose, by whatever 10 things every parent must know article happens to be circulating the internet that day. And we don't stop and think, does this article actually fit with our family values? We don't have the confidence to say, I'm not going to read that article. I actually don't think it's going to help me do my job better. And so when we were feeling really overwhelmed like that, a good friend of ours said, that they had sat down and written out their family values and recommended we do the same, and and we did do that. Um, In our family, we value truth, or in our family, we value other people's property, or in in our family, we value speaking kindly to one another. Whatever things you want to be important in your family, it's good to have them written down so you can start with what's important and then let the less important things take their place down the line. So when we look at the Bible, uh, clearly there are big values that we can identify. And I'm talking about things like the Ten Commandments uh, Mm. or Jesus when he gave his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. I mean, those sorts of things, I suppose, if we say we align ourselves with biblical values, God's values, Jesus' values, because as a follower of Christ... Aren't we identifying with Jesus, the perfect reflection of uh, who God is? Uh, then somehow or other we get to a point where we say, well, I'm going to align with his values. So his values and what our values are have to line up in some sense. How does that work for That's you? Right. If we identify ourselves as Christian, then it's really important for us to read the Bible um, and and work out what it is that he wants for us. And um, I guess the key The key concept in the Bible when we talk about values is love. Um, Paul said that all the commandments that have been written in the Old Testament are all expressions of love, loving God and loving our neighbor. And so that's sort of the, the concept to remember. But in my book, I do then look at, as you say, the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount, which is really Jesus' interpretation of the Ten Commandments, Um, and try to unpack a little what are Christian values. And we see that it follows that framework, that when we look at the Ten Commandments, it doesn't start with family values, actually. It starts with God. 
And the first four values are all about how to love God and to put him first. Um, And that comes back to living in line with our big purpose. We were created to do just that, to honour God, our maker, and then as a flow-on, to love other people who are also created in his image. Isn't it interesting, and I'll get your perspective here, Harriet, that the modern parent who doesn't know God uh, is simply trying to get some values together too, but they're doing a sort of an eclectic exercise of grabbing what they think from here and uh, another bit from there and trying to actually put a DIY values system in place, uh, which technically doesn't have any really strong foundation to it. So when we link ourselves with foundations for values that we glean from the Bible, we're on a really, really solid foundation, aren't we? That's right, yeah. And it's completely changed my experience of being a parent because I do feel like I'm standing on solid ground now and I don't always get it right and I do fail. But God has spoken about that too, that we can be forgiven and washed clean and actually saying sorry to our children um, and showing them how to make it right when you've made a mistake, showing them how to get back up again and keep striving towards those values. That's all part of it too. So it's not a manual for being a perfect parent because we never will be. But the values are the things that we strive for. We get back up and we keep persevering and aiming for them. And I think it's in that striving that we're shaped and it's in that striving that our children will be able to identify what was really important to my parents. And, I mean, that's really challenging. If you ask your children, what do you think are the most important things to mum and dad? I think it's a really good diagnostic question. I think if I ask my kids, sometimes they'd probably say, well, peace and quiet and a tidy house. I think we need to also reflect on what are we communicating to our children because it's one thing to have our values um, on a piece of paper, but it's quite another to successfully then communicate that and pass it on to our children. Interestingly, uh, peace and quiet and a tidy house uh, as a value, it's not necessarily a biblical value, but it's a good value. And as you say, your children will pick up what your values are. And so if they're picking up that value, peace and quiet and a tidy house, they'll also pick up the values of how you treat Uh, that person who's going through a hard time, uh, how you get alongside someone who's had a tragedy in their family, how Mm. you actually treat your uh, capacity to perhaps even be a a, a regular at church on a Sunday. Uh, Those sorts of Mm. things are, these are the things that kids are picking up. So we're talking about passing on the values, aren't we? Yes, and a good concept that I saw in the Bible is that um, raising children is much like Uh, giving them an apprenticeship it's an apprenticeship in your values and in your character they're watching they're copying they're learning and so as part of an apprenticeship you're doing lots of things at once you're modeling you're teaching and talking you're encouraging um, and then you're correcting as well there's the reactive side of things as well Um, but to see it as a whole of life thing that we, our children are our little apprentices and so who we are will shape who they become. But as I said before, it's not the whole story. We're not perfect. We're not going to get it 100% right. They will pick up the bad things from their apprenticeship as much as the good, Um, but we set the foundation as best we can and show them what to do when you get it wrong. 
And when you align all of these words, uh, apprenticeship and parenting and the word discipleship, uh, because really our children are our disciples, aren't they? And uh, if we say, who yeah. are we discipling? It's our children who are going to be first in, a, in all of that. So this is where I imagine, uh, Harriet, the, the idea of both parents being on the same page together uh, is one of the challenges because sometimes you've got one parent who's a believer and wants these Christian values passed on to children, another who's either half-hearted or even a non-believer. Uh, there are all sorts of complications that come when both parents are not on the same page. Yeah, it's true. And as I came to the Bible, um, I was surprised by just how realistic it is about our real imperfect families in this world the bible talks about that situation that sometimes for whatever reason people do find themselves married to someone who doesn't share their values but you still can do your best and be faithful in your part to model and teach your values to the kids and the bible says that being part of a wider community of faith can be a really important part of that that there's lots of adults in their lives who are discipling and training them, not just you. And so you don't have to feel alone, um, but that your children can still be part of God's family, um, even if your husband or wife doesn't share your values. Um, I think it's a very difficult line to walk because in the Bible we see the ideal. We see what, what, what the ideal of marriage is in the Bible, but we also very often see the real. We see God's people getting it wrong or experiencing loss or tragedy and things don't look like the ideal. But God is always there to forgive and to give us a fresh start and he never gives up on us. So if our family situation doesn't look like we thought it would look or um, it's not the ideal, God says keep striving, do your part as best you can and get support. Put yourself in a wider community of faith so that you're not doing it alone. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Harriet Connor is our guest. She is shortlisted for the 2017 Christian Book of the Year Awards here for Australia. Harriet, as we draw some loose ends together uh, and talk about the book, the book is called Big Picture Parents, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Life. Uh, let me just ask you a personal insight here. How has this research and study that you have done to prepare uh, this book, I mean, reflecting on your own experience as a mother of three, how has this search for these values from the Bible actually changed you as a parent? Yeah, that's a great question because it, it has changed me. I think mainly in my approach, I have gone from feeling very confused to having a great sense of clarity about what is important. I've gone from feeling very uncertain about what to do to having great confidence in our values and in our big purpose. I'm confident not because I'm getting it all right, but because I know what I'm aiming for and I know what's important. And I guess I've gone from feeling guilty a lot to coming to God and taking my guilt to him and asking him to forgive me. And I guess I've moved from fear about what will happen to my children or how they'll turn out to trust, trusting in God, who is the only perfect parent, 
trusting him to do for my children what I can't do myself. I imagine when you're settled on some firm foundations, that helps you sort through all the advice that everybody's firing at you from all directions. Is that the case? Yeah, that's right. You construct the frame of the house and then you can choose what bits of information to fill it in with bricks. You can... Uh, once you know where you're heading, you can decide what articles are going to support you and help you get there um, and what articles are not going to help you. So it gives you a great uh, framework for discerning uh, what advice is worth listening to. So those four sections of the book, our big purpose, where you talk about the purpose of life and the purpose of parenthood, you talk about our big problem, the limits of being human and parents in need of a parent themselves. The idea of having big values, Christian values, remembering what's important, then passing those values on to children and then being part of the big family, our ideal family structure and God's big family. Uh, you've come to some conclusions and you're saying that becoming a big picture parent really relies on having this biblical wisdom. Uh, let me just point people to how they can get a hold of your book. Now, the book is called Big Picture Parents, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Life. Some people will be impatient. They won't want to wait. They'll want to get a hold of this book right now. Uh, the best way for people to get a hold of the book, I imagine, uh, just simply go online and Google your name or the name of the book. Is that the best way to get it, Harriet? Yes, all the different uh, booksellers should come up if you Google that. Um, that's right. It's available from, um, I guess, the large Christian bookseller in Australia, um, and it's also available from some smaller outlets. Um, if you are super impatient, you can get the Kindle version from Amazon.com.au if you read on a Kindle. Okay, so uh, Amazon for the super impatient want it right now. Uh, those who have access to a Kurong bookstore, you'll be able to get that. The name of the publisher is Morning Star Publications, and uh, no doubt we'll be hearing some more about the book, especially if your name is called out on Thursday night, Harriet, because uh, this is this is the big night on Thursday, the announcement of the Australian Christian Book of the Year. I mentioned that you're shortlisted and you're making your way to Melbourne to be a part of that uh, program on Thursday night. Uh, so let us uh, let us uh, let me, on behalf of all of our listeners, say I uh, hope you do really well in that, and we'd love to hear your name called. But thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart about your book today here on 2020. Thanks so much for having me, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.